This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter Podcast with our incredible season finally coming to an end. It was a playoff semi-final defeat at Huddersfield Town and whilst it was the first feeling of disappointment, I think we can take a tremendous amount of pride from what has happened this campaign. We really gave it our best shot up in Huddersfield as well, performance that really typified the grit and determination and you know, the attacking intent that we've shown all year. I'm Billy Mully, joined here by Stephen Day, Jamie Castle and Dylan Bundia. Start with you, Stephen. How are you getting on today, mate? Feeling a bit rough from all that's happened in like the last few weeks, especially with last weekend. Um, just want to sleep all the time at the moment, but, you know, just, just getting through it. Yeah, I think it's uh, the emotional roller coaster of this campaign. I think it's taken its toll this week. Um, yeah, definitely, mate. What about you, Jamie? How are you getting on? Yeah, not bad, mate. Cheers. Um, yeah, he's had a few days now to, I guess, have a think back to, to all that's happened and obviously still still gutted, but but obviously the the, the, the overriding feeling is, is pride. And as as you're saying, these 46 game slugs, are, 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 they're, they're tough for fans and players. So, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure both myself and my liver is ready for a, a sort of a six-week break. Definitely, mate. What about yourself, Dylan? Yeah, good mate. Good. Just had time to reflect, like the other lads have said, and proud. We're feeling very proud. You know, there is a feeling of of what could have been, but uh, um, yeah, it, it's been very, very. This season has made us all, I think, very, very proud. So, a lot of optimism for me. A lot of optimism. Yeah, I think us fans have probably gone through the same cycle of feeling immediately disappointed, um, sitting in the pub immediately after with a load of Huddersfield fans. Um, the three of us, me, Stephen and Jamie, had to leave straight away because um, it wasn't the kind of atmosphere we wanted to be in. 
And um, yeah, it's nice that that day's over. But as what I said, it was a, a good performance up in Huddersfield. And I think that sort of typifies everything that we've seen this season. Before we go into things, we're going to be speaking about the two Huddersfield games in isolation. We're going to then go through the polls that I put up earlier today. We'll start, obviously, with the home fixture, a one-all draw. All the action really happened in the first half with uh, Luton starting the stronger of the two sides. Um, Huddersfield breaking, Tanani opening the scoring, Bradley equalising through a brilliant, brilliant ball from Cal Naismith. And then Huddersfield probably having the better of the second half, winning the midfield battle, certainly. So, Stephen, we'll start with the very start of the game, really. As I said, it was a bright start for from the Hatters and it showed that, you know, we didn't, we react well when the stakes are that high. I mean, to be fair, my memory is a little bit lacking on that because just, you know, it, it was a week ago, but it feels like it's about a month ago at this point. It's been such a long week since that game. But yeah, we, we came out and there was a sense of, you know, we're not going to be walked over because I think a lot of people thought there was a good chance that we would just have get walked over just because we shouldn't technically, well, not technically, people just thought we shouldn't have been in the playoffs just because of our name. Um, so I think I was I was happy to see that we didn't come out and roll over or let the injuries and the, the exhaustion show too quickly. And, and I mean, I had, I had quite a good feeling from from that game, like coming away from it. Um, I know we said we started at the start of it, but I'm, you know, I, I remember coming away from it and I was like, you know what, this is something good. This is a good base to go into the second leg with. And yeah, I just, I guess, just disappointed we couldn't be, couldn't take in our, our more clinical side and like the chances at home to go into the game at Huddersfield away um, with a lead rather than the draw. Yeah, it was an interesting one because I remember thinking at the end of the game, um, I didn't know whether I was I was happier with, with drawing one all than I would have been taking a two one lead back to Huddersfield. I guess if we were two one up, that it could have been an, a case that we might have gone a little bit more defensive. Who would have known? Um, yeah, I guess that's a situation that didn't happen, so we would never have seen how we would have approached that task. But going into going into how sort of the first half played out in that first leg. Um, it was quite weird because Huddersfield sort of played us at our own game where they allowed us to have a lot of possession. Um, something that we haven't really grown accustomed to this year, being being the side that's seen the least amount of possession. So it was a little bit strange, I think. I think, um, what did you make of it, Dylan? Um, yeah, I think it was it was a weird game because we're, as you say, we're not used to having the ball for long stretches. We're not used to teams coming and, and sitting fairly deep. You know, they they kind of use the halfway line as their kind of engagement line and, and they let our back three have the ball. So we had to kind of take the ownership, take ownership of the game and, and try and break them down. And I actually thought we did it really well. I thought the way we approached it in terms of hitting those diagonals from the back three, especially Bradley into the wing backs or Cornick or Jerome was really effective. And then creating those little 3v3s. Um, out wide and, and trying to then go from there. Um, but I thought we actually moved the ball really well and, and for a team that, that as you say, have the lowest possession in the league to then go and take ownership of a game and, and try and control it, and dominate it, was was really, really positive. Um, but then obviously we got hit we got hit on the counter and, and didn't handle that well enough, but then we got we got a goal back, which we deserved. 
So I thought we actually handled the task really well. And, and it was probably what we expected, given how cagey first legs can be, especially when you're playing the first leg at home. The other team are just going to try and take something back um, for the second leg to their place. Um, but I thought we handled it really well. And I mentioned it at the very start, but that Sonny Bradley goal, uh, that ball from Cal Naismith, and typically we see James Bree go out and take those kind of set pieces, but it was Cal Naismith. And what a wonderful, wonderful ball it was to, to find Bradley. And, and Bradley made no mistake. Yeah, fantastic ball. Fantastic finish. Um, watching it back, Sky were trying their absolute utmost to try and find some sort of offside in there. Um, as it seemed like they were all game in terms of um, sort of various other other sort of events in the game. But I mean, in t- in terms of first of all winning the foul, I think was it Jordan Clark at wide won it. Um, who I thought first half was absolutely incredible first half, and then Cal left left foot across the face, Sunny with a striker's finish. Um, great goal, and yeah, I mean, in terms of of the game itself, and especially that first half, it was. Such a pleasure to be at, to be a part of, because the atmosphere was was incredible, and I think that the Kenny end gets gets a bit of stick, but when it's rocking, it's absolutely bouncing. Um, so yeah, it, it was just a pleasure to be a part of. Definitely, as you say, it was de- a really, really great game to be a part of as a fan. Just just being and soaking up the atmosphere at Kenilworth Rose, it was. Re- a sense of excitement. I think those kind of games can go one or two ways. Sometimes the atmosphere can um, be very, very nervy and that can translate onto the pitch. Uh, I don't think it was like that at all. We, I think it probably helped that we, we started on the front foot and that was something that helped maintain that atmosphere throughout the first half and, and into the second as well. So yeah, as you say, truly special atmosphere at, at Kenilworth Road. And again, uh, uh, I will go on to it in a sec, but at Huddersfield, again, real great travelling support and it's been excellent this year, I have to say. We'll go on to the return fixture, um, the eventual sort of decisive game, obviously losing 1-0 on the night, which meant we lost 2-1 on aggregate, sending Huddersfield through to the playoff final. It's difficult to really assess that game to, to what we usually would do because of the amount of emotion, the amount of beer involved. It was uh, a sort of a hectic, hectic day. And what I do remember was quite positive in terms of how we played and everything we'd done and, and sort of watching key aspects back. It, it really was a performance we could be proud of when the stakes, again, were very high, uh, a, a sort of a a very, very positive Huddersfield crowd as well, loud before the game, um, but but they were soon silenced with a real positive start from us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, if you, if you take the result away, for me, that was probably my favourite performance of the season. I thought we were start to finish outstanding. Um, just the way we controlled the game and obviously... I just feel we're always going to get chances and we, we did ride our luck at times with regards to obviously that Toffler chance first half, I think um, stands out as as, as their, their their massive chance. But I mean, by and large, just the way we, we controlled the ball and we, we basically did what we wanted to do um, in the first leg, but all, all game. Um, so performance-wise, fantastic. Away end was incredible. And, and like you said, the... the, the, the the home fans were, were were brilliant themselves for the first ten or fifteen minutes until they realised, ah shit, we got a game here. 
Um, and then we were, I think, especially when we had the, the chance where it flashed across the face and we, we, we had, had, a, had, a, had a few good chances and, and that's when they realised that they, they were in a game. Um, so again, obviously, obviously gutted to, to, to come away with it with, with nothing in the end, but in terms of having pride and, 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 and I guess having that pleasure to, to be a part of that, that, that away game again was just, yeah, incredible. I think I want to jump in there and say as well, like that that performance is probably the best way to sum up this season and the best performance to go out on as well because we can't can't come away from that and be disappointed with how we performed. Is it, you know, it's it's a matter of what could have been if we put a chance or two away, but the way they played, they they all gave everything and. They they looked like they were fighting for it. They're, we were creating chances. We weren't. We almost just weren't doing anything wrong apart from putting the ball in the net. But it felt like it that just wasn't going to happen either way. But it, it's just nice to come away from a playoff game and think, you know what? Even even though it was a loss, we played bloody brilliantly. And it's you know any other time in the season, if you got that in November time, you'd be like, you know what? This is going to be a you know, we could push on and do something with this because this performance was brilliant. Even though we lost, it was absolutely brilliant performance and it shows that we, you know, we have enough to to push on and make something of the season. And so, yeah, that's, for me, it's just like, it probably was, uh, for me as well, same as Jamie, um, one of my favourite performances or my favourite performance of the season just because it was so good and no one out there looked like they didn't want it at all. And it's just, you know, I'm so proud to say that, all those players wanted it, and even though they're exhausted, you could see how exhausted everyone was. Everyone wasn't going to give up, and it's just you know it's, it's crazy to see her and be able to say that. And I think uh, I think if I was to compare it to another game in recent in, in recent years, it would be that Pompey game, that that first game of, of League One. Just the way, uh, as a side, as underdogs, went, went away from home in a big atmosphere, and were, were by far the the dominant side, I think for me, the, 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 there were two very similar performances, um, which only obviously we know what happened after that that Pompey game. So, so if we can if we can take that performance into next season, then it's going to be a, a really exciting one. Yeah, I thought I thought we were absolutely magnificent in the in the way that we controlled the game with the ball, without the ball. You know, in the first leg, Huddersfield probably in the second half kept, played through us a little bit too much, but we totally stopped that. Naismith totally. Um, uh, nullified Sinani and as soon as a team like Huddersfield start kicking channel balls into Jordan Rhodes and, and then you know you're doing something right because they're all about quick little interplay in the middle so they started hitting a few channel balls in and you know then you're doing something right because they can't play through us um, and then I thought when we had the ball we moved it so well and and again you know like like Stephen and Jamie have said just an overwhelming pride with the way that those players rose to the occasion despite injuries despite everything Um absolutely fantastic and and I guess there is that feeling of what could have been if we'd taken one of those chances or two of those chances like we should have but again you know it's like that Pompey game we built on that we came back stronger and, and I think there's so much to, to take from from that semi-final even though the dream was on there's a lot to be proud of because we were absolutely outstanding in such a big occasion. I guess it was like a real cycle of emotions from it all. I still sort of experience it now, the sort of immediate disappointment that we didn't get anything from the game, given the performance, sort of the next day pride of, of everything we've achieved this season. 
And then now this just sort of desire to get next season started because, you know, it's it's a really, really exciting time again. It's by no means the last dance or anything like that. It's, it's a real sort of new beginning where we can really build on, on what we've done this season and um, starting with recruitment. I think that, that comment from Jones saying that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and the first thing on his mind is going to be looking at recruitment and then looking at how he can bolster this squad, which is going to be, Again, very, very excited to hear as a Luton fan. And um, yeah, yeah, we'll see how all that plays out. Um, just looking again a little bit more about the performance and about the way we set up. It was quite an attack in midfield we, we um, picked up on very early on. We had Alan Campbell slightly deeper. We had Jordan Clark and, and Robert Snodgrass sort of playing just ahead of him. It did appear... Um, and it was something that worked, helped us sort of dominate that that midfield battle. Uh, Jordan Clark particularly picked up some brilliant positions, uh, slightly deeper um, than Robert Snodgrass, slightly more advanced. And it was, it was a real difficulty for that Huddersfield defence to to deal with us pretty much in the midfield positions. Yeah, I thought we went we were we went player to player like we did in the first leg, like we've done all season. And those those three were backed up by Naismith behind them actually playing really high up the pitch as well when we were defending. You know, he was just following Sinani and, and everyone just won their battles, I thought. Everyone won those individual battles all over the pitch. And then when we had the ball, we moved it really well. We switched it across the back three so well. As you say, Snodgrass and Clark playing in those like kind of advanced inside left and right positions, coming in on their um, on, on their stronger feet and then hitting those diagonals across. And, and yeah, I thought the way we moved the ball was was absolutely magnificent. You can see the value of Jordan Clark in that and how much we'd missed him for, for large chunks of the season. Um, but again, in, in terms of controlling players like Lewis O'Brien and, and Alan Campbell did a fantastic job on him. You know, he's a Premier League player and, and Campbell is, has, has really nullified him and, and that's been massive in terms of us winning those battles in the midfield. And again, sort of looking um, a little bit to, at the game itself, um, the amount of chances we created, I think it's... I think it's unfair in my notes, I said, lacked a little bit of cutting edge because we did create the chances. It was the finishing touch, I think, that there's probably... But again, it wasn't sort of clear. Um, they were clear chances, but they weren't easy chances to take. Is what I think I'm trying to get at. And, you know, chances that um, can quite easily be missed like they were. I think think back to Cornick's early opportunity where he found the keeper, sort of lunging in... Um, yeah, it wasn't any disastrous misses, but chances in those kind of games that you need to be taken if you want to get to a Wembley final. I think that's that's probably the best way to sum it up. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's probably a case of Eli was what one injury too far, really. I think we we dealt with it and dealt with it for months, for probably two best part of since since March, really, so since since February. But Probably Elijah Adebayo was the one player that, that we couldn't lose. And um, losing him, I think, probably cost it in the end. And and, yeah, and he, he wasn't fit. You could tell by, by the way he was running in the last 15 or so minutes. He, he was he was nowhere near fit. And he was just just on the bench just, just, uh, as a just-in-case. Um, so, obviously, it, it's a shame. But um, I, I'm hopeful that, actually, I think he, he'll stick around for next season. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think if, if we... We're upset with that game this time next year. I think we would um, sort of go two, 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 go two or three in the lot. Yeah, yeah. As you say, that's it was a game where you fought a really well a, a fit 
Elijah Adebayo would have thrived off the kind of service that, that was being provided. Snodgrass said it before, the positions he was picking up, the balls he, were, he was picking out. Jordan Clark doing a similar kind of service. Bree and Bell getting getting forward. Bree putting some excellent balls in Sierra as well. Set pieces were pretty much bang on the money. It did seem a game that was crying out for Elijah Adebayo. But yeah, as we saw right at the end, he, he wasn't you know fit enough to, to be there. And um, the good thing is that it's now summer. And you know if if we are lucky enough to keep him, which I really hope we do, it's, it gives him sort of the appropriate amount of time to to get fit again. Yeah, I, I mean, I going into the the from like the creation from midfield in the game as well. I think we're we're probably we we lost it because we didn't have someone like Eli in there um, for a start. But I also think if you got someone like Luke Berry or like you know a fit Luke Berry or a or a hundred percent fit Jordan Clark, players that just find goals almost out of nothing sometimes we were missing that on on Monday night and I think it I don't it, it felt like there was so much create like being created but even then like Cameron Jerome is more more turned a creator than a scorer this season um Danny Hilton you know he's 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 good enough for the championship somewhat but he's not good enough for playoff championship and it, it was it was brilliant on the night, it was just you could see that you put him in a League One playoff semi final. He probably scores at least one, if not two. Cameron Jerome probably as well. It just lacked that bit of just that 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 necessary quality to to put chances away from either midfield or from up front. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think with Danny Hilton as well. Um... It's been really, really impressive to see how he's sort of adapted this season. I know he's had glimpses in other seasons of proving himself in the championship, but this year I think he's, he's really taken a step forward. And you know, if his future is away from us, he's, he's definitely, definitely you know, put himself in the shop window. Definitely earned himself a move that, that's probably higher than than if we were talking about this situation this time last year. So uh, yeah, winning his physical, uh, winning. Uh, aerial battles against a really, really strong defensive trio. Um, yeah, it was a really, really strong performance from him, and, and showing that he can, he can do it at championship level. Um, it's just yeah, the, the, the threat in front of goal. That I do agree with you there, Stephen. Uh, I do agree with that point. Um, I think probably best to go on to some of these polls now. Um, some some good sort of um, lines that we found here and. Um, the first one we asked was, who would we be, uh, miss most if they did the part in summer? We had Elijah Adebayo, Alan Campbell and Calvin A. Smith as our three options with another option as other. And it ran out as Elijah Adebayo received 44% of the vote, Alan Campbell 37%, Calvin A. Smith 19%. Stephen, I'll come to you first. Is that the kind of, um, well, the way you thought that was going to pan out? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I I'm surprised that from um, Campbell's performances since um, since around you know before Christmas, I think he, in my opinion, I, I would say he he's who we would probably miss the most because he's just he's brilliant in midfield. 
but um and, and you've got no guarantees that Adebayo is going to be a a 10 15 20 goal striker next season um yeah so i i mean i but he is kind of like the poster boy as well he is you know brilliant and on his day he can he can score a load he he, he can be brilliant in front of goal so yeah i i the polls don't the the, the results didn't surprise me at all what about yourself dylan yeah, I think it's obviously all three of those are hugely important. But I think players of, of Elijah's profile, with with his size and athleticism, and then that quality in the in the box, is so rare. Um, and and in terms of replacing him, is very difficult. So I think he's definitely our um, definitely the one we would miss the most. We'd miss all three of them, obviously. But I think what we saw in that final, in that semi final, sorry, was was just that last bit of quality, that last movement, that last first touch and then open up an angle to score just was what we missed and, and what probably cost us the, the chance to, to play in the playoff final. So I think, yeah, I would definitely agree with, with the results of that. And Jamie, I know, I know Alan Campbell is your not all-time favourite, but one of your, one of the greats in your heads um, and he's definitely proven that at the moment, but would you agree that, that in the context of this question, it would have to be Elijah Adebayo? I think that the outcome of the poll is probably what I expected, but I think for me, I've got to stick with, with my boy Al. Um, I love Elijah he, and if he was to go, would be devastated because I think he's got a massive future. But I guess fear in terms of strikers, there's there's a load out there and okay, we, we may not be able to replace Elijah directly, but you can change your style, you can change your system. And I think Nathan has shown that he's very adept at being able to, to, to do that this season without him. Um, whereas I think for me, in terms of having your box to box, a real battler in the, in the midfield, that that's almost a bit of a non-negotiable for us in, in terms of we need that sort of midfielder. And no matter what system we play, we, we, we need we need that sort of player. So I think for me, Alan Campbell is, is an absolute must-not-go. Yeah, I I did put my vote to Alan Campbell as well. Um, as you say, everything that you say I have to agree with. I know Elijah Adebayo, um, sort of the importance in this team, the, the, the void that that's, seems to be there when he's not in the side. But with Alan Campbell, I think we've seen... Um, how big of a miss it was when he wasn't playing against Fulham, how relentless he is, how busy he is. He's, he's somebody that he could, he's a player that, you know, you could play two in midfield, but because of how relentless and busy he is, he's, he's somebody that, that could probably sort of bridge that gap. So yeah, it's uh, an interesting one. You could probably make an argument for each and every one of them because it has been that that kind of season. Um, even like Reese Burke, I think, has been been incredible, um, especially the last few weeks. Um, well, last few months of the season. There's definitely definitely lots of candidates for that. But we'll go on to the second one, and it's about who we think will be a breakout star of the 2022-23 campaign. Of course, it might not happen, but there's every chance that that. Sort of the three players in this poll um, could become integral first teamers next season. And the way the poll played out, it was Carlos Mendes Gomez with 39% of the vote, just pipping ahead of Elliot Thorpe with 38%, and Dion Pereira on 24%. And I'll, I'll open it up to the floor. Is that what you thought? Yeah, yeah I think for me, Carlos is. is, is the real deal. I think obviously we've not really seen much of him this season, but in terms of whenever I've seen him, 
play, the way he moves and carries the ball when he's engaged, he seems to have that that little bit of of special in him. Um, I think he's needed this season. I think we, we we've seen him physically develop over the last twelve months, um, and yeah, it's it's not, I think next season is going to be a, a massive season for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think I think Carlos is the one who's is really going to shine next year. I hope he is. I mean. With with players like Barry out of contract, uh, we haven't really we haven't released our retained list yet. But who knows? Um, you know there are, there could be gaps to fill, and I think Carlos, uh, as Jamie said, physically has has come on so much. I was really impressed with him against Chelsea. I thought he coped with the game and the intensity of the game really well. Technically, he's a fantastic player, and and again, I think he's one who just needs a run of games. And if he can get some rhythm in the Championship and play in those kind of that kind of inside left position where where Clark kind of plays in that midfield three, then he can be really dangerous and, and give us that creativity and intelligence around the box that, again, you know, maybe we slightly lacked a little bit um, against Huddersfield, um, although it was more about the final touch than, than creation. But yeah, I think Carlos is the one who's most likely to, to really make an impact next year. Yeah, I don't think I've got really much more to add to that. I, you know, I, I, I just hope that it could be both Elliot Forp and Mendes Gomez having a breakout season because it'll just benefit us. Yeah, I don't think I've got much else to add to what those two have said. Yeah, as you say, two two very exciting prospects. Um, Dion Pereira is an interesting case. I think um, I am well. I am excited for what he can do in his career, whether that's with us or not. We've seen a couple of sort of social media posts that that makes it um, quite uncertain where where his future lies. But yeah, if if his future is with us. Which I really do hope it is. I think he'll he'll definitely play a, a good part. And I think just outside of those three, a few shout outs, which also makes things exciting. Kyoso, okay, he's played a bit more than than we thought he may have done. Um, but both in that right centre half or right back role, I think he, he's he's going to come on again next year. Miss Gray's had a really really tough season, so again could come on leaps and bounds. So I think. Just to add those two names as well into the mix, I think it's a really exciting season. A really exciting season ahead because we've got a few players who are on the periphery that that could really like it. All, all, it, all it all it could take is one or two of those names to really push on, and um, we've got some player. Definitely, what you say with Musquay there. Um, I think maybe confidence has taken a little bit of a knock. Of course, um, Dylan spoke about it earlier in the season. It, it hasn't hasn't been dealt um, sort of the right cards at the right time. Um, you, th- you think of when he really hit form. Um, he played really, really well against Blackpool and then Fulham. It uh, looked like he was progressing at a really good rate. looked like it would, he could become an integral first-teamer, an integral sort of part of the starting eleven. But then um, African Cup of Nations, injuries, COVID, everything sort of happened at a wrong time for him. So now... Now that all those players have a real good summer to prepare uh, pre-season, which could be sort of massive indication to, to how these players have adapted to these challenges and to the situations they've been put in this season. Um, yeah, it's a real, real exciting time. And I think, again, it adds to um, what we've been saying about next season, about that sort of expectation and, and these sort of objectives that we'll be looking to meet next year, having um, sort of a time for these players to, to bed in again I think will be a real real positive point of, of what the immediate future holds um, we'll go on to the third and final poll so yesterday a report linking 
Luton with uh, Matt Ingram. Again, um, his contract at Hull has just been extended for another 12 months. So it would be a, a permanent move, but one that, that probably would be a cheaper move to complete given that it's only 12 months left on his contract. And people in favour of this was at 28% with 72% at no. Um, yeah, it's quite an interesting one, I think. Um, be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, I'm I'm on the the kind of like the no side just because of what I've seen from him. Nothing particularly stood out to make me think this is someone that I really want in the squad. But I I don't have the the tactical and the the analytical side of looking at it like as a strength. So that's kind of my uh, my sort of raw fan opinion rather than like an actual you know. Um, analyzing the sort of you know his his data and everything, but I remember seeing some stuff when we did get him in. That his data was showing that he was probably one of the better goalkeepers in the league. So you know, data could prove it wrong. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't be upset if we got him back, but I wouldn't particularly go for him myself. But at the same time, there might be a a, a low market for or you know a, a very very small market for championship ready goalkeepers that we can get in. So. Um, it's just one of those ones where, you know, whatever happens, I trust the club. Yeah, I, I think from what I've seen, people seem to have fav- favour Steer for for one reason or another. And I think I think he's he's, he's being treated a bit harshly here because I think it, it's tough to come in on game forty five of the season against Fulham away and concede seven, and you think ah, and then you, and then you you come in against Reading and you're you're rarely troubled. Um, and then you've got the two playoffs semi-finals where again didn't really do anything wrong. People say that, the, that their first goal at our place, but again, it's tough to, to lay all the blame at his door. So it, it, it's 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 really harsh to say, and absolutely like to, to think that almost three quarters of people were like, no, I don't want him, don't want him at all. And I think we need to factor in that potentially James Shea is going to be out till the new year, maybe. So. Do we go with Vista as number two, and and who's number three? I mean, there's so many factors that are outside of all of our knowledge at, at this stage. But I mean, in terms of an absolute no go, I think that's really harsh. I think I definitely would think about him as an option. Um, he's, he, I think people at Hull loved him in terms of what what he's done for them. So I think he's certainly on the short list. Having said that, in terms of a number one, I think there's probably a few more ahead of him on the shortlist, and and that that's not Palmer, not Steer, not Ingram. I think they, they they might have one or two on the shortlist that they're looking elsewhere. Who they are, I don't know, but I think yeah, I think that, that there's a few out there. But I think to to completely white Ingram off is a bit harsh. Yeah, um, I I agree with with Jamie. I'm I'm very surprised by the the negativity around Ingram. I think he's. He's he's done absolutely fine. I think yeah, he maybe could have done a little bit better for the first goal um, in the first leg um, because Bradley obviously had the far post angle covered, so he just had to cover the near post. But I think overall, he's a very competent goalkeeper, and and the and the stats back that up. You know, he is. There are limitations to goalkeeper stats, and but on the whole, in terms of preventing goals, the numbers are very good. Um, and I thought his kicking as well was excellent. He gets a lot of distance and a lot of accuracy which is very important for us because everything we do is about being direct and getting it into good areas. And if 
as a goalkeeper, you're not consistently putting it in good areas, then that, that really inhibits our, our ability to get the ball forwards and, and show quality and, and get the ball up the pitch. Um, so if we had Matt Gingram as our number one next season, obviously with, with James Shea being out for a while, I'd be 100% happy with that because I think he's actually he's a very, very competent goalkeeper, especially given that we're not massively keen on the loan market. So the market for championship-ready first-team goalkeepers is, is not massive. So if he's if he's available and he's an option, 100% I would do it because um, from the four games, it's obviously only four games, I've been very impressed. Do you think, Dylan, that there's an argument there that, you know, if we know that Shea's sort of an integral to, to sort of our progression, obviously handed him a, a longer term contract. Do you think that sort of argues the case that we might look into the loan market, the fact that we've got the security in, in James Shea and Harry Eisted as a number two until um, until James Shea returns? Is that something that you could see? Or again, are we, we looking into a situation where we have Eisted as our number two and then our first uh, first choice goalkeeper gets injured then we're in that sort of situation again where we need to, to use the emergency loan market. No, I think if we, if we can get another senior goalkeeper in, then we have to do it because, you know, the goalkeeping department is, I think, it, what was it, six goalkeepers this season? You know, with that you can't do that. You, you can't have that um, if you're really going to go and challenge. And, and I think as well with the nature of James Shea's injury, we, there can be complications with, with ACLs. Um, so you, you can't bank on the fact he's going to be back by this date. Um, so I think it's really important that we bolster that goalkeeping department. And, and if Matt Ingram is available or a number one is available that we can go and get, um, we have we have to do it because we can't end up in the situation again where we're throwing Harry Eisted in and, and then thinking, oh, are we going to have to play him in a, in a playoff semi-final with no one on the bench? You know, we need that. We need a strong goalkeeping department. We need that number one. We saw it in our League One promotion campaign, James Shea apart from the first three games, every single week. And there was that continuity, which was really important for us. Um, so I think we definitely need to bolster that. Obviously, with Eisted as well, his contract, I, I, I think he only signed for one year at the start of the season. So I don't know where he's going to end up as well. So I, I think if we can get a senior goalkeeper in, we have to do it. Yeah, definitely be interesting to see how that situation plays out. And, and when the retain list comes out as well, interested to see sort of our initial reaction um, as Luton fans to, to what has gone on and where we imagine we might recruit in the summer. Well, that is all for now. A big thank you to the three of you and a big thank you to everyone who continues to watch and support us throughout the season. Truly has been an incredible season. It has been a really, really enjoyable um, sort of year just talking about Luton Town. It really is great that we can we can continue to do this and, and get the support that we've been shown this season. Um, we've also got a few things still to do before we call it um, for a season we've, we've got the quiz that we're going to be looking to do over the next few weeks we've also got our awards show uh, we're also working on a Lone Watch episode as well where we speak to a few fans we speak to a Cholton uh, Bradford and a Yeovil fan about the progress of Elliot Lee Dion Pereira and Josh Nerfield so make sure to listen out to that until then, it's goodbye from us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.